The Torah portion of Ayigash continues the story of Yosef Hatzadik, Joseph, who's the, now the viceroy of Egypt. And um, the Torah tells us how he managed the country during the time of the, uh, 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 of the famine, uh, which, uh, which the, 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 uh, Egypt and, and the surrounding countries were suffering from, and how he had gathered all of the, uh, all of, all of the uh, grains that Egypt had, and he, um, during the years of plenty, um, and he ended up, uh, when, when, when the Egyptians needed food, he exchanged their cattle for food, and he gave them bread in exchange for their cattle. And in this way, what ended up happening was that the, the government, the Joseph Pharaoh, ended up owning pretty much all of Egypt because they not only took their belong they were exchanged their belongings, they also exchanged um, their real estate. And there's a word that Rashi focuses on. And that word is the word Vayenahalim. And it says Vayenahalim Balechem. The word Vayenahalim typically means to lead, like someone who leads a group of people from one place to another. So it says, He led them with bread, which is a very strange um, expression. And so Rashi um, uh, translates this word, He says, what does Vayinalim mean? He says it means um, something similar to leading people. Now, the... Um, there are, there are a number of questions that the Rebbe asks about this Rashi. So Rashi says it's similar to Vayenaha game, which means um, linhog, means to, to, to lead um, as well. And then Rashi uses um, two proofs from two other verses in Tanakh, one from the, from the book of Yeshayahu Anavi and one from the book of Tehillim, written by King David, where we have this similar word of um, Vayenahalim, um, which is used in the context of leading. Now, one of the uh, very, uh, very first questions the Rebbe asks, which is obvious, is we have this word already earlier in the Torah, where it says, Vani esnala li'iti, where Yaakov is speaking to his brother Esau. And he says, I'm going to lead them at my pace. And Rashi there does not ask, what does this word mean? Because it's, and when Rashi doesn't do that, it's because it, it, Rashi, um, is is uh, only will, will only tra- will only translate a Hebrew word when it's an unusual Hebrew word. Otherwise, he's assuming that the people that 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 um, he's writing the commentary for already know Hebrew, and the basic Hebrew words they know. So, if Rashi did not explain the meaning of the word over there, clearly he's assuming that the student, or as Rashi says, he wrote his commentary for a Ben Chamesh Lamikra for a five-year-old uh, child who's learning Torah. He already knows what this word means. So why suddenly over here does Rashi feel compelled to translate this word? And um, as well, the Rebbe asks, um, why does Rashi have to bring two proofs? We always know that one proof is enough if he wants to prove his point. Why does he have to bring two different verses as two different proofs? And and, and then the Rebbe asks some more nuanced questions uh, about the, 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 the terminology that Rashi uses in expressing himself. Now, there's, um, as I just said, there's no need to translate a Hebrew word. Rashi doesn't need to translate Hebrew words, although you and I may not know all Hebrew words because that's not our first language, but it, um, to, to the students that Rashi was writing the commentary for, um, 
the, um, the, the assumption, of course, is they're learning the Torah in Hebrew, and they know Hebrew. So, clearly he's not coming to translate the word with his commentary here, because we already know what the word means, because we already had it earlier in the Torah. In fact, and um, the context is very unusual, because it, it really, this word, and this is really what's bothering Rashi, by Yenahli and Balechem, he led them with bread. You don't lead, when you're leading people, you lead them from point A to point B, from one place to another place. What does that mean? What, is it, what does the verse mean when it says that he led them with bread? How do you lead people with bread? And in fact, we find that the Targum, which is the Targum Onkelis, who translates the Torah, he, he wrote a, an Aramaic translation of the Torah. So he translates by Yenahlim, um, Balechem, that he sustained them with bread. So he gives an unusual translation to the word Vayinahalim, or a different translation, because the context really doesn't work for leading them. So Rashi does not accept that translation of the Targum. And so, so Rashi translates it. He says it means um, to, it, it's, it's similar to Vayinahagim. It's similar to a form of leading. And why does he use this word, the Rebbe explains, of, it's similar to another word which means to lead, which means vayinaha game. Again, the word in our verse is vayinaha lame, with that, the lamid. Um, the Rebbe says it's similar to the word vayinaha game, with a gibble, which and both of them actually are very similar words that both have a similar meaning, which means to lead. The reason why Rashi says it's similar to the word vayinaha game is because he's alluding to a word used in the book of Tehillim. The book of Tehillim says, that Hashem led the Jewish people in the desert like, um, um, like a shepherd. And in that context, it's referring to the fact that God took care of all of the needs of the Jewish people. So when it speaks over there about leading the Jewish people, it do, it's, it's using the, the word of leadership in a more general a context than in a very literal context. Literally, when we talk about leading someone, you you want to know where we where you led the person from to. It's literally literally it means to lead people from point A to point B. But um, the verse in Tillam is referring to not just leading people from point A to point B, but it means for caring for people, leading them in a manner of caring for them in in, in a very complete way. And and so Rashi is trying to tell us when it says balechem. It means similar to the way um, King David used the word um, which means that he cured for them. How so? Because Yosef, when he, when he uh, exchanged bread with the Egyptians for their cattle and supplied them, as the Torah says, for the year with bread, he did so in a way to ensure that the bread wouldn't be squandered, but in fact would be used in a productive way by the Egyptians. So that, in fact, they were, it would sustain them for a year. Sometimes if you give someone everything at once, they may maybe use all, all of it at once and, and, or use too much of it in the beginning and then not have enough left to, um, later on. So Yosef cured for the Egyptians so much that he ensured that, there, that, that his giving it to them was in a manner that would be most beneficial for them. And like we see um, that Yosef did the similar thing. When he, when he collected all of the grain during the years of plenty, the, the Torah tells us that he ensured that in order for grain to um, not to rot, you need to keep some of the earth that the grain grew with, with the grain, and that sustains the grain from rotting. So he made sure that wherever he got grain, 
that he made sure that that earth from that place where the grain grew came along with the grain in order to sustain it. So we see, so you see how he gave tremendous care and detail to ensuring that this whole process will be productive for the for, for the Egyptians. Now, being that this translation of Bayinahalim, which means not just to lead them, but to actually care for them, is an unusual translation. That's not its normal translation. Sirachi feels compelled to bring a proof. So he brings a proof from the book from the book of Yeshayo Anavi, where Yeshayo Anavi is uh, speaking of the Jewish people, and he says, and the verse says, manahala, that they don't have um, a manahal, someone who is leading them. Now, in that context, also it means that the Jewish people are not being cured for. So it's also used in a more general sense of leadership, and therefore uses this specific verse, and not many other verses that we have in Tanakh that use this word. Of course, in all the other places in Tanakh where this word is used, it's being used in the literal sense. I'm moving so on from point A to point B. But Rashi is looking for a particular proof of this word also being used in a context of leadership in a general sense of curing for someone. And so, therefore, he finds this uh, this verse in Yeshayo Anavi, where we see that's being used in a in a context of curing. Um, however, as uh, the Rebbe as Rebbe establishes in many places, whenever Rashi gives two proofs or two explanations, there's a weakness to the first explanation. So this is a a general rule that that the Rebbe teaches us in how to understand Rashi. That if the fir- that that when there's a second explanation, that means that the that the first explanation is not 100% sound. So therefore, the Rebbe uses so the Rashi will use a second explanation where the second explanation plugs the hole, the weakness of the first explanation. However, why does Rashi choose to put the first explanation first and the second explanation second? Because the second explanation has its own weakness, which is even greater than the first explanation. So therefore, he puts that second. So over here, um, even though the, the, the verse in Yishayo Navi also speaks of leading, and um, it, it, it's still in a context which is not an expression of full caring for the Jewish people, but still speaks of a form of leading people, maybe not literally from point A to point B, but to getting people from a development of one place to another place. And so therefore, which is very different than leading people with bread, which is like, which is not, which is, not a broad context at all. It's a very narrow context of using something too specific in assisting people. So therefore, Rashi brings a second pasuk from the book of Tehillim, which from the Psalm 23, the famous Psalm 23, um, where it says over there, that on tranquil waters, to tranquil waters, you have led me. You have the same word, you have led me. And over there, over there, it's speaking specifically of tranquil waters. So just as uh, over there, it speaks of leading people to water or with water. So caring for people with water. So, so over here, it's speaking of Yosef. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a good proof of Yosef uh, caring for people with bread. However, the reason why Rashi doesn't use that only this proof of Tehillim and also only uses it as a second proof, not as a first proof, is because really the context of that verse that God brought, um, led him to tranquil waters, is really, waters over there is not in its real understanding of the verse meant literally as waters, but as, as full cure for the person. See, even though in its literal sense it would be a perfect proof for our verse here in Vayigash, 
But being that um, it's it, it's a broader understanding, it's not talking literally about water. It's talking about sustaining sustenance in a general sense or cure in a general sense. So therefore, Rashi uses that as a second um, as, as as a second proof. That's the, that's the conversation that the Rebbe has about this particular word um, that Rashi translates. And then the Rebbe goes into what we call Yena Shaltero, which is the, um, the more spiritual um, understanding of what this verse is teaching us, and I'm going to do my best to convey this. Um, there's another Pasuk that says, Yosef gathered all the money that was found in, in Egypt. Because through this whole process, Basically, the Egyptians gave up all of their money in order to get bread to survive. So Yosef ended up being able to gather for the royal treasury um, all of the money. Now, I'm going to translate this verse to you um, as a preface to what the Rebbe explains in a, in a more mystical fashion. So when it says, V'yelaket Yosef, Yosef gathered. So we know that there, were seven, there are known to be seven spiritual shepherds of the Jewish people. And they are Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, our three forefathers, Moshe, Aharon, Moshe, and Aaron, Yosef, and David. And each one of these seven shepherds, each one of them, their souls correspond to one of the seven um, sephiros, we call them, or the seven um, emotional attributes which um, exist within every single soul. And Yosef corresponds, who's the second to last one, corresponds to Yisod. Yisod. And Yisod is the second to last one, which, is, um, which means foundation. And Yisod feeds energy to Malchus, the last of the seven emotions. Malchus is the, is the spiritual um, realm or level uh, from which all of the Jewish souls originate. All Jewish souls in our single organism, all Jewish souls really are part of one single organism, one collective soul, which exists in this level of Malchus. And I know I'm talking in very spiritual terms, um, but do your best to stick with me, as this will serve for many other uh, many other sikhs uh, that we're going to study together where different things such as this come up, and will also expand your ability to uh, be able to adapt to abstract thinking. So Yosef, so when it says that Yosef gathered, it, it, it's referring to um, this element of Yesod in the mystical sense, not in the literal translation of the verse, but in the mystical translation of the verse, that this level of Yesod gathered as kol ha-kesef. Kesef typically means money. But the word kesef also means to yearn, nichsefa, to yearn. And that speaks of the attribute of love that exists within every Jew's yearning and love for God because every divine soul, every Jew's divine soul, whether we're conscious of it or not, has a deep yearning, and, and that's what the expression of love, love is when we yearn towards something. That is, that is what love is. We have this tremendous um, love towards God. So Yosef gathered all of the love, which was found in the state of exile. And, and what the verse is telling us, as, as the Rebbe teaches, is that Yosef, being the tzaddik, we have a verse that says tzaddik, Yesod Olam, the tzaddik is the Yesod, the foundation of the world, that, um, that every tzaddik really has an aspect of what Yosef represented, which is Yesod, and the job of a, of a tzaddik is to take the hidden love that exists within the soul of every single Jew and to implant it into the consciousness of the Jew so that the Jew gets in touch with that 
love in some way. And because, as the Rebbe explains, that based on, this is all based on a Hasidic discourse of the Alter Rebbe, the first Lavash Rebbe in his Sefer Torah R, in his book Torah R, which are Hasidic discourses on Chumash. Um, and he has a discourse on this verse, and he explains how there are two loves, forms of love that a Jew can have towards God. One is a love that's, that's born by intellect. What does that mean? That through a person contemplating and meditating on the awesomeness of God and, and, and the greatness of God, um, a person develops an emotional feeling towards God. So when a person meditates on the vastness um, of God and the abundance of God and how much God showers upon us, that, that, that evokes within a Jew a, a tremendous feeling of love towards God. And that's a self-generated form of love. That's what we call love that comes from nurture, through us developing this love. But there's another love, which is not nurture, a love of nurture, it's a love of nature, that is natural for every single Jew, that we have what's known as the Ava Misuteris, a hidden love that's embedded within the nature of the divine soul of every single Jew. Um, um, and um, even though this is a natural uh, love that we have, but at the same time, it also requires at least some level a much more basic level of, of meditation and contemplation for someone to just get in touch with that and wake that up. And, it's, and it's, this is similar, the altar explains, to two types of uh, grains that are, that are grown. One time, typically, how do you grow grain? You seed your, your field, and uh, by seeding the field, it grows. Seeding the field and having grain grow is similar to someone meditating and then having love grow. But there's another form, which is known as svichim. Svichim are is when you have wild grain that grows. Sometimes you leave your field fallow for a year, like we have the sabbatical year, that once every seven years a Jew in Israel is not allowed to work his field, and yet you suddenly have that some stalks of grain do grow. How did they grow? They grew because there were seeds that were left over from last year that never germinated, and now they germinated, and suddenly you have you have growth. It's sort of, but in appearance, it grew, it grew on its own, even though it actually did grow from a seed, but it appears to have grown um, on, the, on its own. And this second form of grain, which sort of grows on its own, this is refer. This is um, refer, um, is alluded is referring to the hidden love which exists within every Jew. In other words, it doesn't need to be planted. It actually doesn't need to because it, 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 it it's inherently there. It's the nature of the person. However, what wakes it up? What wakes it up is similar to these wild uh, uh, stalks of grain that grow. From a preceded from from old seeds, so um, that were there, but 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 then again, we didn't even know that they're there, and suddenly it shows up. So likewise, Yosef, who who the altar refers to in, in in mystical terms as Yosef Tzadik Elyon, that when you have a tzaddik who um, implants or, or awakens within the consciousness of another Jew's soul, this inherent love that he has that that that, that exists within him, it brings it to a level of consciousness, and the person gets in touch with it. Um, so, so that's the meaning of this verse that Yosef gathered, Yelaket Yosef, that Yosef gathered as Kol HaKesef, all of Kesef, again referring to the love, all of the love um, that, that the Jewish people have, and he brought it down to the level of Malchus, he brought it down to the souls of the Jewish people, um, and in this way, the hidden love within Jews is awakened. And this is this all alludes to the idea, and one of the great significances in Hasidic tradition of, of having a relationship with a tzaddik. Because when we have a relationship with a tzaddik, by the fact that we are associated with a tzaddik, that gives the tzaddik greater access to influencing our neshama. 
And in this way, that the tzaddik can help us get in touch with what already exists within us. And this is all alluded to in the Rashi Vayisnalim, Vayinahalim, that Balach, that, um, that, that he led them with food. That What does Rashi say? That the word Hanhaga, you see, there are two words for leadership that we discussed. We, we, he spoke, the verse says, Vayinahalim, and we also learned about another word from Tehillim, Vayinahagim. Vayinahagim talks about leadership where it's explicit. Where the leader leads the follower. You see the leader, you see the follower, you see the leader leading the follower. But there's another form of leadership where it's not so explicit, where you don't always see that the leader is actually leading the follower, and the follower doesn't even know that the leader um, is leading him, but there is a, uh, you know, more of a vague um, um, influence that's being created where the, 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 the follower is being led without even, uh, without being an explicit form of leadership. And that's the expression of the word Vayenahalim. That and and this is exactly what a tzaddik does. A tzaddik um, influences him from a, in a spiritual manner, a, the love that's embedded within the within a Jew already to awaken that. So to the Jew, it appears like svichim, like these wild grains that just grew out of nothing. They just grew, not noticing what actually seeded it, which which is the influence of a tzaddik. And yet the Alter Rebbe teaches us in Tanya that even this uh, inherent love that is hidden within the soul of every single Jew also needs at least some basic form of meditation. There still should be some, um, or there needs to be some effort on our part to engage this um, inherent and natural love that lives within us. And this is alluded to by a teaching in the Talmud which says, that the wine enters and the secrets come out, which in the literal sense, we all know what that means. But in the, in the spiritual sense, what that means is that through the study of Hasidus Nichnas Yayin, the wine, which is um, which alludes to the study of Hasidic philosophy, which is really the study of, in many respects, it's the study of God and the study study of the deeper happenings of reality. Through that, Yatsasod, the secret, which is a secret, is something that is hidden, right? The secret, which is the hidden love that's embedded within us, comes out, and so that the, the key to a, a Jew awakening this hidden love within us. Is of course in addition to being a, a, a having a relationship with a tzaddik, it's for us to put our own effort in by studying Hasidic philosophy and meditating on it. And this is also reveals another sod, another secret, which is the secret of which is remains uh, uh, as of now a secret, which is Mashiach, because we know that when the Baal Shem Tov, um, when his soul um, 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 elevated to the higher realms. And he was able to, uh, um, to to encounter the chamber of Mashiach. He asked him, uh, the, the, uh, Mashiach, um, when you are going to come. And he said, when your, when your teachings, the Baal Shem Tov's teachings of Hasidic philosophy will spread um, to the, um, out throughout the entire world. So therefore, when we study Hasidic philosophy, we are not only awakening the hidden love which resides within our Shemeshamas, but we're also bringing the world to its ultimate completion, which is with the coming of Mashiach.